Rare genetic diseases, cancer, and neurodegenerative disorders are all notoriously difficult to treat. But what do they have in common? They can all be treated using cell and gene therapies. These transformative medicines involve extracting cells or genetic material from the patient or a donor and altering them to provide a highly personalized therapy, which is then re-injected into the patient. With long-lasting or even life-saving consequences, these therapies have the potential to address complex and rare diseases that are currently resistant to other forms of treatment. According to the World Health Organization, millions of people globally suffer from over 10,000 different types of rare diseases caused by a single faulty gene. In addition, the treatment of many cancers could benefit from harnessing the power of our own immune system that could specifically destroy abnormal cells in our bodies. Then, neurodegenerative diseases could be treated with our own stem cells. All of these are examples of cell and gene therapies' potential applications. Due to the nature of these types of treatments, the manufacturing process and administration routes are quite complex and expensive. But in spite of these challenges, the growing need to increase the availability of these therapies is driving innovation in the field. The key turning point is um, commercialization of these cell and gene therapies and commercialization readiness. But besides the safety and quality uh, requirements for each of these applications, it is important to incorporate innovative technologies and reduce the cost of goods and production in order to make these therapies widely accessible for a large number of patients. That is Benam Ahmadian Bahbajarani, Lonza's Executive Director of Cell and Gene Therapy Process Development. He joins us today to guide us through a deep dive into manufacturing cell and gene therapies. I am Martina Hesteritseva, and this is A View On, a podcast brought to you by Lonza. Hi, Benam. I am so happy to have you on today's episode. Yes, thank you. It's uh, very nice meeting you via this um, podcast and uh, very excited also to, to talk to you and, of course, to our audience specifically about the cell and gene therapies. Thank you. I find this topic really fascinating. Before we dive deeper into the details of the manufacturing and challenges and how Lonza is helping to resolve them, it would be great if you could help define for our listeners the terminology. What is a cell therapy? What is a gene therapy? So in a nutshell, cell therapies are usually involved in the transplantation of cells into a patient uh, where we, we would seek a therapeutic impact for the treatment of target disorders. The cell therapies can be classified into allogeneic cell therapies or and um, autologous cell therapies. In the case of allogeneic cell therapies, the cells are derived from healthy donor, expanded in large number and transplanted into a large number of individuals. Therefore, in this case, a scale up and mass production of cells would be the key focus from manufacturing perspective. In the case of autologous cell therapy, the cells are taken from the same source, in this case, a patient, modified outside the body and transplanted back to the same patient. In the case of gene therapies, one would use genetic materials, DNA, for instance, to target patient cells for the treatment of um, 
an inherited or acquired disease. Gene therapies are involved in the transfer of genetic materials in a carrier or vector to the target cells or a specific tissue. The gene therapies can be done in the form of ex vivo or in vivo. And uh, in the case of in vivo, genetic materials are delivered to the target cells into a patient body. Whereas in the case of ex vivo gene therapy, the target cells are removed from the patient body. They are modified or engineered by addition, insertion, deletion of specific genes or manipulation of genes, and then transplanted back to the patient. So that's how we would define the cell and gene therapies and the common areas that utilize the same protocols or technologies. Could cell therapy and gene therapy be combined in any way? For some indications, we can see that there would be a combination of both gene and cell therapies. Uh, The stem cells, for instance, will be isolated from the patient, genetically modified in the culture outside the body to express certain genes or make modifications, which can be done through um, a viral vector, through non-viral modification, expanded uh, sufficiently to meet the number that is required and then uh, essentially processed and returned back to the patient. Wow, that's a really comprehensive overview. Thank you for sharing. I guess it's safe to say that on a high level, the difference between them is also how it's delivered, right? Cell therapies would most likely deliver still living cells, whereas in gene therapies, that's not the case. I wonder, how do you deliver the genetic information into the patient in this case, if it's not through a living cell? In the case of ex vivo, usually there are cells that are taken out of the body and genetically modified. In the case of in vivo, then essentially one would need a vehicle, a a delivery. And in in this case, usually viral vectors, a different type of viral vectors could be used to deliver the gene of interest into the patient. And there are a wide range of viral vectors depending on the indication. So, but the viral vectors that we would be dealing mostly with could be adeno-associated virus, or we call AAV, could be lentiviral. What does one need to study to become a cell engine therapy expert? One of the areas that I would like to also help is um, bringing young talents and, uh, you know, driving the expertise that would be required for cell and gene therapy applications, because we often deal with cutting edge science and this requires talents. So I would say a library of tools are required and a lot of training is required to focus on cell and gene therapies. But um, to be honest, there are endless opportunities to learn from biological events, from applications, from disease, and also even logistics and, and from biomanufacturing perspective. So what I'm hearing as well is that if someone would like to join the field of cell engine therapy manufacturing, you do not need to have expertise in this area already. You can be trained on the job, right? Because I assume many of the techniques and technologies that are used are transferable from other parts of the business, right? Or other modalities even. So you would need a specific expertise to enter. For example, this expertise or professional training could be around um, bioprocessing or bioengineering. 
It could be immunology. It could be basic biology. It could be molecular biology. But then once you enter and focus on that area, there is a lot of collaboration and coordination and learning that would be needed because everybody needs to come together and work in a cross-functional manner. Therefore, you would expand your expertise and knowledge. For example, a person would come with a process knowledge and background, but would need to understand and expand the biological events and also analytical side of things and different applications that are needed to enable these challenging therapies. Okay, I see. Thank you. Um, If we take a step back and also focus on the cell therapy and gene therapy, what indications can be targeted using these modalities? Depending on the source of materials, the modality, but most importantly, the final product characteristics, there could be a various type of diseases that could be treated with cell and gene therapies. Some of the main indications that we have focused on include different types of cancers and um, neurological disorders, as I mentioned earlier, Parkinson's disease, Huntington disease, for example, also maybe neuropathic pain. A stroke, diabetes is a large focus, um, type 1, type 2 diabetes, heart failure, uh, and uh, a wide range of other diseases. Now I would like to focus on the manufacturing of these types of therapies. Um, I can imagine that the manufacturing process is quite complex and pretty difficult to navigate. And this is one of the reasons why many companies worldwide may be interested in outsourcing this, but um, what methods in general can be used to manufacture these types of therapies? And I know that it will be different for cell therapies and gene therapies, but could you walk us through the process step by step? So fundamentally, when it comes to manufacturing of cell and gene therapies, in particular in the case of cell therapies, you would often need to mimic the very complex cellular environment or biological events that would be controlled or happening inside the body. What I mean is that um, when it comes to some cell therapy applications, we would need to take the cells outside the body and then make sure that we can uh, either expand or mass produce large number of cells outside the body without changing the biological characteristics of those cells. Now, considering the complex cellular uh, events that might be happening within the culture, we need to carefully choose the type of the technology that we use to manufacture them, the type of measurement tools or analytics that we use to measure and analyze the cells in different steps of the process, Also, we need to make sure that we preserve the cells and we do not harm them. So the way it works for us from design and development of the manufacturing process, we dissect a manufacturing process into multiple unit operations. One would often need to isolate a specific cell type. This could be done uh, isolation from a specific tissue and tissue could be blood, skin or other type of tissue then we might want to activate the cells, prime the cells, make sure that they are ready for either gene modification or the next step of manufacturing process. 
then gene modification would be involved, expansion, processing, washing, and fill and finish. This could be done in two-dimensional manner in tissue culture flask, or it could be done in uh, 3D or three-dimensional in different type of bioreactors. And therefore, um, different type of cell culture platforms or vessels could be used depending on the technology that we use to process the cells from the beginning to the end. The manufacturing time is important depending on the type of biological event that we explore. This could be um, one, two days, up to 100 days or even more, depending on the manufacturing, um, depending on the indication, depending on the final product. A hundred days to manufacture a product, really? That's a pretty long time. As I mentioned earlier, depending whether we do autologous or allogeneic cell therapies, also for viral vector, the manufacturing process could be very long or could be short. So in a nutshell, one would need to carefully choose the type of technology, would need to make sure that there are appropriate uh, analytical methods implemented into the process for the beginning, for the duration of the process and also for final product release. The key goal here is the safety and quality of the final product. And this could be only enabled through a manufacturing process that needs to be carefully developed based on the current good manufacturing practices. So I hope that what I highlight is that the manufacturing process for cell and gene therapies is complex. And we have this concept of the process is the product as well. So their choice of process, unit operations, technologies, every component of the process could impact the final product and also the outcome of the cell and gene therapies. If I focus on the other part of the spectrum, on the patients, right, when they're receiving these therapies, Um, how can cell and gene therapies be administered to the patient? My thinking is that since cells need to be delivered alive for a cell therapy to work, do patients need to stay at the hospital for longer or do they have to wait until the therapy is manufactured, especially for the autologous administration, right? Or can you store these cells for a certain period of time? Depending on the mode of application, autologous, but we also have allogeneic application, The final product format could be made available and delivered to hospitals in the form of fresh product or frozen. We also call them cryopreserved product. The cells that are harvested as fresh cells are usually time sensitive. Therefore, they would need to be transferred from manufacturing site to the delivery site or the hospital for the patients. Autologous therapies are largely delivered and administered fresh, and therefore there need to be proper strategies to address the logistics of the product delivery and cold chain management. The bottom line is that it would be critical to address the logistic issues um, associated with the delivery of the cell therapy products, and this can be possible through choosing the correct tool and technology, depending on the product characteristics and requirements, as well as looking into innovative technologies. Can you name any of these innovation technologies already? Yes, absolutely. One area is um, utilizing uh, computer-controlled bioreactors. The focus is to create a controlled environment where the physiological parameters of the cells 
can be not just monitored, by, but also controlled. Innovative technologies are also applicable to analytical tools and analytical methods or assays that are used for the process. There are different types of uh, automated technologies that could be used to um, make sure that we have more robust assays, reduce sample preparation time, reduce operator-to-operator variabilities, and uh, those are some of the areas that we are working on. It sounds like this would be a great opportunity to utilize automation and robotics, or even like process analytical technology, as you mentioned, for computer-controlled bioreactors. Is this something that your team is exploring? Absolutely. One of the focuses that my team has is to utilize the existing available technologies and then modify or make it appropriate or apply for cell and gene therapies. Um, Sometimes we are fortunate because there are technologies that are um, specifically um, developed for cell and gene therapies. Sometimes it's more challenging because most of the cases, the technologies, for example, bioreactor technologies or automated solutions are usually developed for more mature industries. Now we need to modify and apply into cell and gene therapies. On the analytical side, as I mentioned, um, automation is applicable to um, sample preparation, sample handling. I now have maybe a bit of a provocative question for you. We have been discussing the autologous therapies or allogeneic therapies, right? So the ones that are sourced from the patient um, themselves or uh, when you are taking cells from a donor. So my question is, is the future of cell and gene therapy autologous or allogeneic? Yeah, that's that's actually a very good question. And we often ask these questions um, um, ourselves. Over the last 10-15 years, there has been different type of focus. It is definitely um, um, true from my perspective that both of the autologous and allogeneic cell therapies are the focus. Um, I would say they are both at the moment important. The key turning point is um, commercialization of these cell and gene therapies and commercialization readiness. Some of the key topics that needs to be considered um, with respect to commercialization um, include process robustness, de-risking the manufacturing, analytical methods, readiness and robustness, use of appropriate innovative technologies, as we discussed, computer-controlled technologies in the manufacturing process. But besides the safety and quality requirements for each of these applications, it is important to incorporate innovative technologies and reduce the cost of goods and production in order to make these therapies widely accessible for a large number of patients. The points you raised about commercialization are really interesting. I mean, if we look at the regulatory landscape already Last year, in 2022, we have seen quite a lot of commercial approvals of these therapies. So it seems like the field is maturing, at least partly. What do you think is next for this area of pharma manufacturing? What is exciting for you? Thank you for that question. But before answering the question, just a complimentary response. It is true that cell and gene therapies, in, in a nutshell, they are becoming more mature. Now we see, as you mentioned, we see more approvals. 
We see more commercial ready uh, applications in Atlanta. One of the key focuses that uh, my team also has is not just focusing on early developing early clinical, but now more focusing on commercialization readiness, process characterizations, and level two assay validations and other things. But going back to your question, I think there are two areas that will have the most attention, in my opinion. Um, on technical side of things, I think automation of both process and analytics is going to be um, key focus. The automation uh, would be required to improve the robustness of process and analytics, reduction of labor costs, and improving efficiencies, enabling appropriate scaling of the process and generating large number of high-quality products in efficient manner. On the application side, I think that exosome-based applications would receive tremendous attention, and we already see some of it. These exosomes are considered essentially career of multiple types of molecules. They are comprised of DNA, RNA, proteins, lipid, lipid metabolites. Therefore, they can also deliver therapeutic impacts for the patients. These molecules can be decorated to serve as a vector. They might have therapeutically potent molecules for advanced therapeutic applications, for example, cancers, neurodegenerative disorders, cardiovascular diseases, uh, or orthopedic diseases. So these are the two areas that I think would remain the focus of this field. And we certainly also exploring both automation and also expanding our expertise and our talents on the exosome services and exosome development and manufacturing side of things. On this podcast, we have covered many modalities, many technologies that Lonza is supporting that are currently already saving lives. What I find really fascinating about cell and gene technologies and cell and gene therapies is that this demonstrates the fact that we can also support the future of healthcare as we see more and more therapies reaching commercialization in the next five to ten years. I assume even our family members will be treated with these therapies exactly. For me, it's been uh, a personal uh, motivation to enter cell and gene therapies based on the impact that I have seen personally in my family. And I see this around us. And I, I'm, I'm really motivated by the solutions that we, Lanza, as a CDMO, we can bring to the table for treatment of um, potential people who are impacted in our families and in our society. So it's actually an honor to, to work in this field. That's very touching, Benham. Well, I think we covered quite a bit today. Thanks for joining us and thanks again for your time and insights. Thank you very much. And I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been a great journey for me um, working in this field and also obviously at Nanza for the opportunities to, to explore ways that I can contribute and of, of course learn. Thank you all for listening to A View on Cell and Gene Therapy Manufacturing with Lonza's Benam Ahmadi and Barbajarani. I hope you enjoyed our discussion about the complexities of manufacturing these therapies. We will be back next month with another deep dive into the pharma manufacturing world, this time about medical devices. We will explore how they are made, their use, and even a little bit of sci-fi and compare them to the Borg technology from Star Trek, so stay tuned. If you cannot wait, head over to lonza.com forward slash a-view-on to listen to our previous episodes 
Subscribe to never miss an episode and you can access additional materials and interviewee info as well. Bye for now.